Dear friends in Christ, when you think of the words authority and power, what comes to mind? Well, there might be a number of areas, such as, well, there's children. So parenting is probably one good example of authority and power. And also, we can look at our government, which includes elected officials and governmental authorities. Well, today, however, we're going to look at the authority and power of Jesus Christ that's been given to us and the significance of living in that authority and power. And one place where Jesus had made a promise to give us those things was in Matthew 16. When he says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome that. He says that to Peter in response to Peter's confession, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was on that confession of Peter that Christ was going to build his church. The church was going to advance, and the gates of Hades, they were not going to overpower it. And Jesus is saying that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is the ruler of the world. Christ's power, it's greater than the power of the enemy, Satan. And when there's a head-on conflict, we know that it's the power of the enemy and the power of God going after each other. And the power of the enemy is going to lose every time. So how do we live and walk in this authority and power? We understand that we live in a world that has two dimensions or realms. There's a spiritual realm and a natural one. Instead of the spiritual realm only affecting us as God's people, we need to be living in a way that affects the spiritual realm. And that, in turn, affects the natural realm. In 1 Corinthians 4, we can understand that power we have as believers. And Paul says in these verses that he's coming to Corinth and he wants to see the teachers that are there. And he's not coming to hear their words. He's coming to see the power in their lives. And Paul says there, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. And as we journey with the Lord through this life, we begin to understand that power of God. And specifically, we can understand how he wants us to apply that power, to do his work through that power, and how our lives can be characterized in that power of God. In Ephesians 1.19, which is our text, Paul speaks of the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now, just prior to that, in the verse before, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he was praying that that would happen in a number of ways. And one of the areas that would have that power of God, as Paul says, his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God is the one who placed all things under his feet. And he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
Now, between the resurrection of Christ and his ascension, he had counseled his disciples several times about their commission for them to go through Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. He told them not to go out on this mission until they were first clothed with power from on high. And so they ended up waiting in that upper room until the Holy Spirit came on that day of Pentecost. In the Gospels, Jesus models for his church what he wants us to do and be. And that includes living in God's power. As he's the head of the church, he's not just telling us what to do, but he's modeling for us what he wants us to do. It's a challenge for us believers in Western Christianity today, especially to look at the life and ministry of Jesus and see how our church is measuring up to that. Well, the church of Jesus Christ is to be carrying on the ministry that Jesus began in the Gospels. That's why he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In the book of Acts, the early church, they were the ones living out that ministry of Christ without the physical presence of Jesus. In other words, it was done with Jesus already ascended into heaven. But he sent us, like he sent the apostles, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one who is to direct our life and ministry. And then from the book of Romans through the end of the Bible, the New Testament, there are truths, theology and teachings that demonstrate how we can live and act like Jesus like the early church did even in the book of Acts. When Jesus was ministering here on earth, he was doing that as true man. We know that Jesus is true God and who became true man. And as that unique person, he is both God and man. And when he's ministering, he's showing us what a human being living in a right relationship with God That's what that should look like for us. And so that gives us some history as we get here to Ephesians chapter 1. So how can we live the life that Jesus lived? But Paul says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope into which he has called you. Well, each of us, we know that we do follow Christ. He's the one who calls us. And later in Ephesians, Paul says that the work of Christ that is in us is the very power that raised Christ from death. Now, how many of us ever thought that our bodies are living vessels that carry the power of God? The very power that raised Christ from death. Well, let's boldly say these words together. Say these with me. The power that raised Jesus from death lives in me. Yeah, each of us could say, well, for me to do the ministry of Jesus, I'm going to need a power that is greater than what's in myself. God knew that, and that's why God gave it to us. We can say, I have his power right now. It's settled, it's sealed, it's done, it's completed. I've got the very power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, there's a difference between authority and power. 
A distinction between that is shown in Luke 4. It says that the people, they were all amazed, and they said to one another, as Jesus is teaching in the synagogue there, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Well, authority is the capacity we have due to our position. So, for instance, you know, a person who sees the flashing red and blue lights of a police car, you know, they see that in their rearview mirror, and they know that they should immediately pull over to the side without hesitation. Such a driver most likely assumes that the police officer is going to serve as a legitimate source of authority. He's got the right to pull them over. And as part of his official duties, that police officer has the power to issue a speeding ticket if that driver was going too fast. Well, you and I have the power, or we have the authority, excuse me, in God, which is due to our union with Christ. And the power is the capacity we have because Christ is living in us. For instance, Jesus says in our gospel reading that we heard from Mark 6, he says, calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. He had given that to the twelve disciples. And they went out and did amazing, miraculous signs and wonders. And a little bit farther in Mark chapter 9, Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And a man comes to his other disciples who are remaining below, and he asks them to heal his son because his son's having seizures due to demons. And when Jesus comes down from that Mount of Transfiguration, the man comes up to him, and he says, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and it's destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. And so Jesus heals his son. Now, was it God's will for that son to be healed? Yes. Had the disciples received authority to do that? Yes, they did. Well, why was the power not released for that to happen? Well, that's the question that the disciples had themselves. After Jesus had gone indoors with them, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, I don't know all what is meant by Jesus' response to that, but I, I think it means that he was saying, you guys were depending upon yourselves. Where was prayer? Where was that sense of dependence on God? And I wonder if they may have been relying on their own capacity, and that's why nothing happened. You know, likely with them, they were trying to take action without first praying about it. We know that ongoing prayer with regard to preparation for ministry is certainly needed by us even today. We know that sometimes there are places where the enemy has really a, a base of operation, and we could call that base pride, for example. 
that decreases the release of that authority we're given. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That's what Scripture says. We know that rebellion also can decrease that power of God in us. The power that raised Christ from the dead, from being released in our own lives. Fear? That's got the same effect, too. For the Old Testament Israelites at Kadesh Barnea, when they had the option of going into the promised land, they heard about the giants that were there, and in fear they said, no, we're not going to go. And then judgment came. God had called his people an evil generation because of their fear. Sometimes we look at fear maybe just as being unfortunate for us. But for God, he calls it evil and wicked. So we have to change our perception, really, of what may seem to be minor issues for us when they really are very important issues if God's power and authority are going to be released in our life. Remember when Jesus was in Nazareth in that gospel reading, it was written that he could not perform miracles because of their lack of faith. Unbelief can also compromise the release of God's power in us. Authority, that is an absolute. We have that because of us being in Christ. That can't be taken away. But power is relative. That's why our being set free, our restoration and living free, is more than just about us. Because it comes from God. It's all about others, too, who we minister to. It's about seeing the kingdom of God advancing so that the gates of Hades will not overcome it or stand against it. When there's an encounter, an encounter between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, we know that the kingdom of light wins every time. So the kingdom of darkness, Satan, he must try to compromise that power God has given to us. And he does that through fear and unbelief and rebellion and other sinful thoughts and even our emotions. And so we really want to be aligning ourselves with God's power and authority. And there's a difference between us striving to do things and to be aligning those things. And by aligning, I mean to bring us in alignment with God's truth, his word that directs us. And we want to bring our life into even greater and greater alignment with God so that that truth and power can be released in our life. He's given you and me that power. The power that raised Jesus from death. And he's given us the Holy Spirit. And with everything we've been given by God for weapons and resources, those spiritual ones, we have all that we need to live our life and to be godly. We just need to take what we have and use it. What would it be like if every believer, every marriage, every family and every church that calls on the name of Jesus, moving fully operationally in the authority and power of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that health could not stand up to that. So the renewal, the rejuvenation, and the reformation of the church, they are all critical to God's mission. We should be looking each day, what 
can we do new for the Lord to make his word alive, to make him alive in people's lives? When Jesus was leaving his disciples on earth, he says, you know, all authority has been given to me, and I'm commissioning you now. You go out and you make disciples just as I did. All that I did and all that I taught you, you do the exact same things. You teach others the exact same ways about that kingdom of God and of me. And it was going to continue on. Jesus modeled it for us. He worked with a group of men who could be the catalyst for us. They would start that type of Jesus ministry that would be carried century after century and even beyond today. How does Jesus use us? How how has he chosen us to use all that power and authority for him being our ascended Lord and Savior? Well, there was one little phrase that Paul had there, and that is, for the church. Jesus has chosen us to use his power, not to make his life more comfortable or to rid himself of the petty problems of human beings. No, he's chosen us to use all of his power for you and me, for Christians all around the world in every time and place, and for those he has called to be his own through faith. In fact, he so closely connected us and every Christian that he calls us his body. And then he tells us that we are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus, who is the one who has everything, as true God and really needs nothing from anyone, he's chosen to find his fulfillment in you and me, in us. We're his pride and joy. We're the ones who he's most concerned about. We're the ones who he has promised all of that authority and power. Those are some pretty good reasons we can see to believe that our Lord can deliver what he promises. So go with that authority. Go with his power. And always remember, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.